Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, I want to ask this morning, who, uh, who can you trust to keep their promises to you? Who can you trust to keep their promises to you? Can you trust this guy on the screen if he, uh, if he said, I will cook you a meal that won't make you fat? Can, can you trust him? I, I wish I could. I love his 11 secret herbs and spices. I wish I could trust him, but from past experience, I've found that you cannot trust him to, eat his cook, to cook you a meal that won't make you fat. The, the problem is that uh, they don't define family when they say family box. You see, uh, Andrew May and the campus pastor down in Ormo and I, we are brothers in Christ. And so we are a family. And so when we order a family box to share between the two of us, that's family. But when you do that, you get fat. So we look at his track record and we say, you can't trust that bloke. What about this next guy? Can you trust this next bloke if he promised to deliver presents under the tree for all your kids this Christmas? Oh, I wish I could. I mean, Christmas is so expensive. Wouldn't it be good if you could just, you know, wander down to to Carindale and uh, write a letter to the North Pole? sit on some old bloke's knee, tell him what you want for Christmas, and then they just magically turn up under the tree, all wrapped without a credit card statement. I mean, how good would that be? I mean, in our house, presents do turn up wrapped under the tree. Miraculously, I'm not sure how they get there every Christmas, but I do get given the credit card statement uh, a month later. We look at his track record and we say, I'm not sure we can trust him to deliver. What about this next guy? If he promised to stay awake in his seat the whole way through my sermon this morning, could you trust him to do what he promised? I wish I could, but I can't. That's my dad. And he falls asleep, you know, within 10 minutes of sitting in any seat. When he was younger, he looked like Jesus and he was walking along a plank outside our second story window one time and my uncle thought that Jesus was coming again on the clouds. As he's got older, greyer and a little pudgier, he looks a little bit more like Santa Claus and this time of the year, he can't sit down at the shops because little kids come and sit on his knee and ask him for presents. But when he sits down in any comfortable chair for more than 10 minutes, he's asleep. This last Christmas he was up here and uh, my son Joey was, just got his learners and uh, Dad offered to drive with Joey to the airport to pick up my sister. Joey is driving on his L's, only just a couple of months into driving, driving over the gateway bridge in peak hour traffic, says to my dad, where do I go from here? No response. <laughs> Looks over, there's Dad in the passenger seat, the responsible driver. <laughs> Joey's 16, thinks, oh, I think I know the way to the airport, drove the next 10 minutes on his own. (laughs) You see, when an old bloke with a white beard makes a promise, you look at their track record, 
You look at their performance in the past and you say, can I trust him to deliver on his promises? Now, a lot of people picture God as kind of this old guy with a white beard on the clouds in the sky, and it's not an accurate picture of God. But the big question I want to ask us this morning, I want you to ask, is can God be trusted to deliver on his promises? Can God be trusted to come through for you? Can God's promises be trusted in this season and every season? You know, sometimes we look around the world at the injustice that's happening around the world and the evil that seems to proliferate, and it kind of seems like maybe the world is just spinning out of control. You know, life is just random. There's just a series of random events that happen and and the world just keeps spinning with no real rhyme or reason and nobody's really in control. I mean, if, if there is a God, you know, maybe he just set the world spinning and it keeps spinning, but he has no real power to actually get involved and to control history today. Maybe God is just an old guy with a white beard sitting in the clouds who's just set this world in motion and he has no power today. If we go down from a global scale to a personal scale, sometimes it feels like our own little personal world is spinning out of control. Sometimes it it feels like we're looking at the random set of events that's happening around us and and it's kind of like, man, is God really there? Is God going to come through for me? Is God going to act in any way, shape or form? And it feels like your life is just kind of spinning randomly out of control. And you ask the question, can I trust God? Will God come through on his promises. You see, God makes some really big promises. I, I, I try not to make big promises anymore because I'm not good at keeping my promises. You know, I promise myself every week that I'm gonna preach shorter next week. I never do. You know, I promise myself that this Christmas I won't eat the whole packet of fruit mince pies in one go. I never do. I promise myself that next week I'm going to go to the gym every day to work off those fruit mince pies that I just ate. I never do. I try not to make big promises to other people, although I am going to get air conditioning by next Christmas, I can promise you that. (laughs) I try not to make big promises to people because I struggle to keep my promises. But God's made some huge promises. He actually promised the nation of Israel. He says, I'm going to bless you so much that you'll bless the whole world. He says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless you in such an extravagant way that the whole world will be saved. The whole world will be blessed through you. That's a big promise. And in 735 BC, there's a dude named Ahaz who's the king of Israel. And he actually knows those promises. He knows the promises that God has made to Israel better than anybody. He's the king. 
But you see, Ahaz is looking around at his situation and it feels like his world is spinning out of control. It feels like there's just random things happening all around him and everywhere he turns, someone wants to kill him. And Ahaz is asking the question, can God be trusted in the midst of the big challenges that he's facing? Just to set the scene a little bit, this is a little bit of Ahaz's world. In this time, Israel has actually been split into two kingdoms, a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. The southern kingdom is where Ahaz is the king, he's the king of Judah, and in Judah is the city of Jerusalem, the holy city. The northern kingdom is a bigger kingdom made up of 10 tribes of Israel, and it retains the name Israel. Now north of Israel is a, is a province called Aram, and north of Aram again is the boundary of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire has become a bigger empire with more power than any other empire up until this date in world history. And they're looking at the Assyrian Empire gradually move south and acquire more and more power and more and more land. And so the king of Israel and and the, the leader of Aram come to this guy named Ahaz, who's the king of Judah, and say, man, Assyria is on our tail. But if we all join together, if we join together, we can take out Assyria. And Ahaz says to the king of Israel and to the leader of Aram, says, no, Assyria is too big. They will never be defeated. They're too strong. I'm not going to be part of that plan. And the king of Israel and the leader of Aram aren't happy with Ahaz. And so they decide to gang up together and say, let's take Ahaz out. Let's nail this guy and take over his army. And into this situation that's got Ahaz feeling like his world is spinning out of control, God sends the prophet Isaiah. And this is what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 2. It says, now the house of David, that's uh, the house that uh, Ahaz is part of, was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, which is another word for Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Ahaz hears about Israel and Aram coming after them and they're freaking out. It feels like their world is spinning out of control. Life is just random. It's getting blown around by the wind. They are shaken to the core. I want to ask you this morning, what's the challenge that you're facing that's shaken you to the core? What, What is it that's this year has made you feel like, or right now in this season, like your world is spinning just a little bit out of control and it's got you shaken. Maybe it's a financial challenge that you're facing and you're just not sure what to do next. Maybe you've got one of those big crossroads decisions coming up in your life and you're not sure whether to turn to the right or turn to the left and you know that this decision And which way you turn is actually going to have a big impact on your future. And it's kind of got you shaken a little bit. 
Maybe you're facing a, a, a marriage or a family challenge. There's a relational challenge going on and it's just got your world spinning out of control a little bit. You're shaken to the core and it's, just, it's really hurting you. Or maybe you're actually grieving over someone that you lost and feels like world spinning out of control or you've got a health challenge you're walking through right now and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better and it's got you shaken. Whatever that event is, whatever that relationship is, whatever that challenge is for you right now, I just want you to keep it in your mind as we read this passage. Because although this passage was written to a king named Ahaz a very long time ago, there's some words that God speaks here that I think are really important for us because God sends Isaiah into this challenge that Ahaz is facing and God gives him a promise of hope. And I think there's some of us here this morning that need to hold on to a promise of hope. Isaiah chapter 7, it goes on to say, then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jasheb, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the, of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Let me just press pause. This isn't the main bit of the message. Sometimes we gloss over these bits. You need to understand that aqueduct to the upper pool in the launderer's field has actually been found by archaeologists in the last hundred years. Sometimes we read stories like this. Sometimes we can read the Bible as kind of like a big fairy tale with some white guy with a beard sitting in the sky. This is a historical narrative. The, the place that a king goes to meet a prophet from God 2,700 years ago is a real place. It's been found and he's preserved in some way today. Anyway, that's not the big bit of the message. The next bit is, say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Ramalia. Aram, Ephraim, and when you hear Ephraim, just say Israel, northern kingdom, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah as Ahaz's town. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it, because that king might cooperate with us. That's the word. That's the promise that God gives to Ahaz, and it's a promise of hope. And it's a promise of hope in the presence through the presence of God. You see, God has a different perspective on the challenge that Ahaz is facing, that is overwhelming him. You know, God says, this, this enemy that you're listening to, that you're losing sleep over, this enemy that is threatening you and has got you quaking in your boots, has got you shaken to the core, He's just a smoldering stub of firewood. He's almost finished. Rezin and Ramalia's son, they're like the Anthony Mundine of global politics. All big trash talk, but all washed up. It'll be all over in 96 seconds. They're almost done. 
what is coming against you, what is making all this noise that's got you frightened. I've got a different perspective. It's almost done and I am, I'm with you in the midst of it. So be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid and do not lose heart because of this challenge that's coming against you that will pass. And I reckon God might have the same word for a bunch of us this morning. Be careful. Whatever challenge has got your world spinning a little bit out of control, it's got you shaken to the core, be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. This challenge will pass. And I'll still be with you. You see, it's one of the most common promises that God makes right throughout the Bible. Do not fear, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, do not be dismayed, because I am with you. When you walk through the waters, it doesn't say the waters, you know, are necessarily the challenge is going to go away. But when you walk through the waters, I'll be there. When you walk through the fire, I'll be there. Do not fear, it won't be the end of your story. I'm with you. And God is making the same promise of hope in the present. Whatever you're walking through right now, that he will be present with you. You see, when we spend more time worrying about what might come against us than we do about worshipping the one who is for us, we live in fear. When we spend more time listening to the threats of the enemy than listening to the promises of God, we will lose heart. We were on holidays a couple of months ago in the September school holidays and we're staying in somebody else's house and had a bookshelf full of books and uh, I've got a bit interested in running in the last couple of years and so there was a, there was a book there about this dude who's been running ultra marathons, like running hundreds of kilometres, crazy guy. And I started reading it and telling some stories to my son Joey about the mind games that he plays as he's doing these runs and some of the funny stories about how he'd ring a pizza delivery company while he was running and when it, they, he'd ask how long they're going to be and then he'd judge where they could meet him while he's still running and they would deliver two whole pizzas and a family-sized cheesecake and he would eat the whole lot while he was running to keep fuel going into his body so he could run the next 100 kilometres. Anyway, Joey got a bit interested in this book and he started reading this book. He spent two hours, one afternoon, reading the book. Now, my son Joey hasn't run for the whole of 2018. Him and his mates prance around at the gym they drink protein powder and they're kind of, when, they're, when they don't think I'm looking, I see them in the mirror kind of doing these ones, you know, kind of having a look at their muscles. He's reasonably fit, but he hasn't run at all in 2018. Until that afternoon when he read this book, he got up off the lounge and he ran 23 kilometres. The little punk. Yeah, I've been training for six months to do that. Why? Because he listened to a different story. And a different story brought out a different response. And so as he's listening to this different story, he actually decides to take action. He works out how to win the mind game. And he runs 23 kilometres. 
The rest of us sat on the lounge and ate pizza and cheesecake. <laughs> this is the funny thing. That was two and a half months ago. Joey hasn't read the book since, and he hasn't run again since. You see, the story that you're listening to is the story that will determine how you live. I want to ask you this morning, what are you listening to? Are you listening to the threats of the enemy coming against you of what might happen? Or are you listening to the promises of God that are in this book for us all to take hold to, hold off? He's got present hope in his presence for every single one of us. Ahaz needed to hear a different story. So God sent the prophet Isaiah to give him a promise of hope. It's a promise of present hope, but it's also a promise of future hope in his power to bring change. You see, the, the enemy's saying to, to uh, Ahaz, we're, we're going to kill you, and we're going to take more power for ourselves. But God's got a different story. If you read on, verse 7 says, yeah, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim, Ephraim sorry, will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And see, God sees the challenge that shakes us, shakes Ahaz to the core, and once again, he has a different perspective. What is coming against him has got him living in fear. God says, I actually know the future. And I control the future. And I'm going to change the future if you'll trust me. If you'll trust me. Can I encourage you this morning, whatever is shaking your world right now, God is speaking a word over that. See, God is speaking to you and he's asking you to trust him to guide you through it. He says to Ahaz and he says to us, if you do not stand firm in your faith in this season, you will not stand at all in the future. But if you trust me, if you take a posture of faith in this season, then you will see a better future. But you see, right in the midst of the challenging season, when he couldn't see the power coming, when he couldn't see God fulfilling his promise, he had to take the posture of faith in that season. And that's what God is asking you to do this morning. Whatever is coming against you, before you actually see God's promises become a reality, before you see his power poured out for you, you've got to take a stance of faith. You see, we're really good at memorizing verses like Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I, I get, who, who, who's memorized that? Just put your hand up if you know that verse. We're good at memorizing that verse. It's pretty easy to memorize. Seems to be pretty easy to cross-stitch and put on your wall. I've seen it in some of your homes. 
Apparently, it's pretty easy to get on a screensaver on a computer. I've got no idea how to do that. I've got more chance cross-stitching it. But uh, apparently, it's pretty easy. I've seen it on your computers. You see, we, we memorize it. We're just not that good at living by it. Now, some of us actually live quite a fatalistic faith. world's just spinning out of control, and we just got to hang on till we get to heaven. Craig Groeschel says some of us are living as practical atheists. We believe in God, we just don't trust that he has any real power today to bring change for the future. I tell you what, right in the midst of your challenge, God is speaking a word over you. And it's as you respond in obedience to that word that he'll release his power into that situation. Sometimes it's power to endure to sustain you through the difficult seasons and sometimes it's power to bring change because God is about changing the future of people's lives. I remember in 2008, it was the first time I went with Ruth and Murray to Cambodia and uh, met these girls for the first time. It was 10 years ago. One of our staff members who scanned this photo for me during the week said, you look a lot younger and fatter back then. Both are true. I was 35 back then. This is what 10 years of being senior pastor does to you. And I was a lot fatter. I was spending a lot more time sharing that family box of KFC with my campus pastor down the road. Um, now he eats it all on his own. But um, don't tell him I said that. He, I was over there to, with Ruth and Murray to, and a bunch of others to investigate the possibility of opening a training centre for girls rescued from trafficking. I remember thinking, having low expectations, low faith. What on earth do we know about doing this? Does anyone want us to do this? And there was a lot of people who really encouraged us. I was blown away, to be honest, how many people encouraged us. There was two moments where God spoke to me in that situation. There's just been like a promise to hold on to over the last 10 years. One was as we said goodbye to one of those girls uh, outside the brothel that she was still living in. I just I remember that moment. I just remember God just whispering into my spirit, she's worth the effort. You can't change the world for everyone, but she's worth the effort. Have a go and see what I do. I can't remember if it was the night before or the night after, and I had this really vivid dream that one day one of those girls would stand next to me in the pulpit in this dream, and they were sharing about their faith and what Jesus has done in their life. And their faith was given strength to people in our church on the other side of the planet. That's going to happen in two weeks' time. I tell you, God is a God who fulfills his promises. It's taken 10 years. And I tell you, at times I've needed to hold on to those promises and trust that God is still in this. But you see, we cannot live a fatalistic faith. We cannot sit in this world that just seems to be spinning out of control. And, and, there's, and there's still communities where it's okay to sell your kids. And there's, there's communities that have been decimated by genocide. And, and there's this place that's full, refugee camps, is full of hurting families. We can't just look at a world like that and just say, it is what it is. And there's nothing that we can do about it. God is a God who is still pouring out his power to change the future for people that he loves. Can I hear an amen this morning? 
I tell you right now, there's a word of hope that God is speaking over you in your, your season. And you're going to have to stand in it. You're going to have to take hold of it. If you don't stand firm in your faith now, you won't stand at all in the future. He says to Ahaz, Ahaz still doesn't get it. Ahaz is still shaking in his boots. And so God says, I'm going I'm to do something more for you, Ahaz. Again. Notice that word again. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether it's in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. It sounds right, what Ahaz said. It sounds pious. I'll not put the Lord God to the test. But if you read 2 Kings chapter 16, which is the historical narrative of Isaiah's prophecy, what you see is that Ahaz has already cut a deal with the king of Assyria. You see, he had a choice. He's at that crossroads moment. He had a choice. He could either turn to God and put his good trust in God who had made promises to his nation or he could turn to the superpower which is Assyria and he could put his trust in Assyria. And in this moment, Ahaz chose to live by his own human understanding and he turned to Assyria and said, I'll trust you. I'll put my faith in you to provide, to protect, and to bless. I'm not going to trust God, and I'm not going to trust his promises. And listen to the incredible grace of God in this. He says, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. The virgin will be with child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. And history will testify to the fact that God is in control. If we read on just a couple more chapters in Isaiah, it talks about this child that will be born. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. No end. You see, this isn't just a present hope. This isn't just a future hope for the next couple of decades. He says, this is an eternal hope. I'm giving you a promise of eternal hope in a person, a child that will be born to a virgin. And this promise of a sign still had no impact on Ahaz. He still didn't trust God. He still trusts Assyria. In his mind, no one will ever defeat Assyria. Their kingdom will know no end. And so God, if you read through Isaiah, God says through the prophet Isaiah, 
I will use Assyria to judge Israel because of their sin. As promised, Israel, the northern kingdom, and Aram will cease to exist. They will be overpowered. And then I am going to use another nation to judge that nation for messing with my people. And so the Babylonians came along and they defeated Assyria. God kept his promises. Firstly, the, the Assyrian Empire grew and everything God promised had happened. Assyria waged war on Israel. Israel got uh, 12 years later, they surrendered, got shipped off to Samaria. No longer a nation. They became the 10 lost tribes of Israel. Just as God promised, they ceased to exist. And Assyria looked like they'd reign forever until the Babylonians came along and they defeated the Assyrians and the Babylonian Empire became bigger than any empire known to mankind. And they turned up in, uh, in Jerusalem and shipped off the people of Jerusalem to Babylon into exile. And during that time of exile, the Babylonians looked like they'd reign forever until the Persians defeated the Babylonians and they reigned for 300 years. It looked like no one would defeat them. They called their king the king of kings because no one would ever overpower their king until Alexander the Great came along and the Greeks conquered all. Everybody said, no one will ever defeat the Greeks, their kingdom will reign forever until the Romans came along and they conquered the known world. They became the biggest empire known to all of mankind and right in the middle of this Roman domination, when, when the, the people of Jerusalem feel like their world is spinning out of control and they're wondering, is God ever going to come through on his promises? Will he ever remember us? Will he really provide for us? Will he protect us? Will he bless us? Or is this world just spinning out of control and we're trusting in some just white uh, guy with a white beard in the sky and, and he's got no control over history? Right in the middle of this Roman domination, there's a young man named Joseph and his world is spinning out of control. He's shaken to the core. He's got some big family challenges going on. The angel turns up and says, you know this fiancé of yours that's gone and got herself pregnant and you're not the dad and you had in mind to divorce her quietly? She's the one. She's the one that Isaiah was talking about 735 years earlier. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 1. After Joseph had considered divorcing, Mary, an angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Promise made, promise kept. God 